Yes, welcome everyone. This is the Full 10 Yards podcast where we make every single itty bitty titsy witty teeny weeny yellow polka dot bikini yard count. Next 40 minutes, uh, we're going to be injecting your ears with some NFL goodness. This is, of course, the Monday NFL podcast where we recap all of the weekend's action, have a bit of fun and debate uh, of all things going on in the National Football League. I am your host, Timothy Lambert Monk of this beautiful podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Full 10 Yards. Thank you to all 1,800 of you who are doing just that. We'll put uh, put up a good away, a giveaway very soon indeed but alongside me to recap all the week action is Sean Blundell Lawrence is still on IR Sean welcome in buddy a pretty strange week really in terms of uh, it's more so the kicking really um, but yeah what, what did you make of it? Yeah plenty of kickers uh, left right and high and hand, not very handsome safe to not, say did not seem like an, did <laughs> seem like there was an awful lot of, of missed kicks this weekend um, mm. and, and as usual plenty of games you know decided by one possession or less so Kickers really do need to start earning the money, but uh, potentially helps if the head coach tries to get him a little bit closer to the post to make the job easy. <laughs> yeah, no doubt we'll be recapping some of those, some crackers today on Jason Garrett Corner. But four downs uh, today consist of the game recaps. Uh, some will be shorter than the others, hashtag Jets and Jags. Uh, like I say, Jason Garrett Corner's got some great uh, great contenders for the the award this week. Uh, new segment, Sats Life Returns. Managed to do a drop for that just because I like being creative. That's how I get it all out. Uh, and and then, yeah, we just pick out a couple of stats that we found out from the weekend that we quite like. And then at the end, a bit of a power rankings debate. Um, we're going to be looking at some of the good teams, some of the bad teams. Uh, maybe look at some of those that have surprised us and disappointed us as well. More on that later. But let's start off, as we always do, on first down. First down. Okay, so uh, week one, uh, week eight, uh, all in, nearly all in the books now. But uh, let's start off, Sean, with Thursday night football. Yeah, and if there was ever a game that really was the sort of um, the future, if you like, against the past, I want to say it was very much this this game last Thursday night. So Dalvin Cook um, essentially leads the the Vikings with 171 total yards. Against the Adrian Peterson-led Washington Redskins, um, good night for Peterson on a personal level, moving up the all-time rushing table. So congratulations to him. But this was a game, although the scoreboard only reads 19 to nine at the end of it, was never really in doubt. Uh, Minnesota pretty much controlled this one throughout, and Washington again unable to find the end zone. Just again, field goals for the Redskins. So. Not really any great change since the, the coaching transition a couple of weeks back. Kirk Cousins continues to be hot. He's been as good as anybody in recent weeks. He was 23 of 26 for 285 yards. And Stefan Diggs, as we talked about last Thursday, myself and Adam, uh, he definitely did show up 7 for 143. Uh, the only surprise really is the game was as close as it was. Uh, the Vikings didn't actually punt during this game, which just goes to show the level of control that they had throughout. Mm. And unfortunately for the Redskins, it, it really was a case of running up against a team that is in red-hot form right now. Um, I think my love for the Vikings has been pretty clear over the past few weeks. Last Thursday did nothing to change my mind. And, and for me, Tim, you know, this division, we'll talk about some of the, the sort of um, 
main protagonist, as you said, later on in the pod, but there's two absolute class teams in this division, and I think the Vikings and Packers are going to go back and forth mm. as we run down this stretch here. So a, a comfortable win for the Vikings. They move to 6-2. and two. And the Redskins have only got that victory in the tank bowl to the name. They're 1-7, <laughs> and, seven, and uh, another win doesn't appear to be on the horizon anytime soon. No, no, certainly you certainly think that the NFC North is going to be sending two teams to the playoffs. Um, maybe not, the, maybe not the uh, the Bears, but uh, we'll get to them a bit later on. Yeah, but Redskins. I mean, it's not looking great, is it? I know they. I've heard a bit of news today that they're now open to trading Trent Williams. That's probably a bit too late. And uh, let's not forget, ladies and gentlemen, the uh, trade deadline obviously finishes uh, or closes on. I think it's on Tuesday, isn't it, Sean? Yeah, Tuesday's the, the deadline, so there's plenty of activity ongoing, as you say. Yeah, yeah, we'll go, some of the uh, trades that have gone through today, we'll get through them as we go through the games. Uh, I heard the Giants and Lions staying in the NFC North, one of those teams. Uh, yeah, I, I think with the, with this game, I, th- I think finally, you know, the Lions over the last couple of games obviously lost um, what the last three going into this one. It's actually papered over the fact that Matthew Stafford um, he's, he's been really, really good, um, you know, despite their, their, their loss record and perceived maybe their, their rough patch. Um, the Lions only had four games last year where they scored over 27 points. They've already got that five, they've already done it five times this season. So um, I, I think it was just, you know, we, we say, um, you know, bedding in periods for new head coaches and new offensive coordinators and all the rest of it. Obviously, that was apparent last season for the Lions, but this Lions team is a, is a much improved unit. Obviously, you know, better for the run if you are any horse racing fans. Uh, out there as well but um, yeah a really really good performance here from the Lions uh, scoreboard was quite close but um, yeah really the Lions were were pretty decent in this one Daniel Jones looks a lot better as well he's, he's obviously had a, t- a tough time of it in recent weeks he did have a strip sack stri- strip sack fumble easy for me to say but for the Lions first defensive score of the season uh, but did recover from a slow start Daniel Jones two from two or four in, first, in 16 yards in the first three drives managed to make that 28 of 41 four touchdowns no interceptions a couple of nice throws to Darius Slayton uh, which helped to no one in fantasy uh, Marvin Jones didn't help anyone in fantasy either after his big week last week just a couple of catches this week uh, but I think it's fair to say that this uh, the Lions defense obviously hurt by the loss of Quandre Diggs, which um, you know we, we mentioned last last time out on the podcast, who was traded to Seattle. Sean, who uh, curb stomped the Falcons? Yeah, they did. But to be fair, it was a, a lot closer game than I think many of us probably anticipated. And, and fair play to, to Matt Sharbeer, who. You know, I, I joked last week, I didn't even realise the guy was still alive and he, he came out <laughs> Did, firing yeah. this week. Yeah. Um, you know, he completed 39 of his 52 pass attempts for 460 yards. Mm. I mean, that's incredible for a guy that hasn't started a game for, for four years. Um, and it just goes to show the level of durability that Matt Ryan has had in his career. Because um, that's the 118th game in Julio Jones's career. Mm. And that's the first pass that he's actually caught from a quarterback other than Matt Ryan. Mm. Um, so Matt Ryan really has been a staple, if you like, for that Falcons offense. But it didn't really miss too much of a beat, it has to be said, on um, on Sunday night. Uh, however, Russell Wilson, as he does, bounces back from a defeat. Um, he's got a phenomenal record when he has been defeated. In the following games, he's got an incredible 29-7 and record. So it's very, very rare that the Seahawks lose back-to-back games. And, you know, it, it, on paper, should have probably been an easier win than what it was. But ultimately, they got the job done. Um, DK Metcalf got a couple of touchdowns, um, three receptions for a grand total of 13 yards, but two of those did find the end zone. So if you played him in fantasy football, you'd have been happy enough with that as a return, although he was held, obviously, in the yardage categories. Um, 
ultimately, you know, the Falcons, they were um, some of the victims of the missed kicks that we talked about at the start. Matt Bryant had a couple of misses. They were long misses, in, in all fairness to him, but playing in a dome stadium, you'd expect more often than not. And, and he has done, to be fair to him, throughout his career, that he would step up and make those. And the Falcons, incidentally, have tried out some kickers today. So it'll be interesting <laughs> to see if they do make a move there. Um, I'm sure there's a queue to try kickers out today. Yeah, I was going to say, kickers kick are going to be lining up the job centre, aren't they? They certainly will be, mate. Certainly will be. But um, Seattle, yeah, absolutely back in the wing column where you would have expected them to be um, coming out of this game. So, you know, ultimately job done and one ticked off. Um, we can't say that about the Bears, unfortunately, who found yet another embarrassing way to lose against the Chargers, mate. Yeah, I mean, this is a funny one, isn't it? Uh, it kind of a battle of traditions, really, wasn't it? The Chargers doing either the Chargers doing Chargers things or the Bears kickers, and I think uh, the Bears kickers hand, uh, won tradition one uh, hands down on this one. But certainly, all the uh, media guys and the press guys uh, were licking their lips at this one because essentially, a couple of minutes to go, there was just there was two. You could just have two articles lined up, and then all you got to do is just press send on one of them because uh, either one of them were gonna, <laughs> was going to come true anyway. But the, you know, all the headlines were already written. Uh, just in case of which one they were going to go to print. Uh, two desperate teams, two awful offences. Uh, Matt Nagy clearly not uh, trusting Mitch Trubisky, and why would he, considering uh, that interception and just being able to fumble on his by his own accord? Uh, it's quite quite something, actually. Uh, David Montgomery looked quite good in, in parts, for the, and that's all, all I've really got for the Bears, to be quite honest. Um, Lee, I know a resident Chargers fan, is pretty much done with the coaching staff. Um, it was quite quite funny actually. They they tried like hell to get Melvin Gordon going. I don't know whether that's they're trying to put him in the shop window. But Austin Eckler barely touched the ball this game, um, but still got in the end zone as well. So um, yeah, in, interesting one there. But we got another doink, didn't we? Eddie, Eddie Pinheiro pinged the uprights on this one. One thing I took from this game, Sean, was did you did you notice that uh, the doink, especially in Chicago and Soldier Field as well, so, yeah, anytime it hits the upright, it sounds like the Undertaker's gong on his entrance in the WWE. I don't know if you're a WWE fan. I loved a little bit of WWE back in the day. I'm not so much of a fan of it now. Now it's uh, toned itself down. But uh, I, I absolutely know what you're saying. And it is a little bit ironic, isn't it, that uh, the Dead Man's uh, theme tune, if you like, is uh, associated with the, with the Chicago Bears kicker missing a, yet another game-winning opportunity. So I'll give it a bit of a gong here, look. I mean, it's uncanny, but it's quite funny, actually, because... Every time a bit of kicker misses, I think a coffin does get built for a kicker. So uh, that's to be confirmed. But we, but we, we shall see. Um, Saint, uh, Cardinals and Saints, Sean. This was uh, was quite an interesting one. Drew Brees obviously back. Yeah, and doesn't really look like he's he's missed a beat, does he? Let's be honest. Um, you know, obviously a nice game for him to come back into um, in terms of a Cardinals defense that has been pretty soft. Um, but ultimately, the Saints do what the Saints do. They controlled the ball. They controlled the time of possession. They had it for nearly 38 minutes on the day. Um, and essentially, they have, you know, coped without Drew Brees for weeks. They're coping comfortably now without Alvin Kamara. Latavius Murray again had himself another nice day with 157 total yards and a couple of touchdowns to, to sort of uh, round out his day. Uh, there was another misfield goal in this one, Will Lutz, but obviously when you're putting up 31 points, a misfield goal, not so... Importance and and Malcolm uh, not Malcolm Thomas Michael Thomas that's the <laughs> man I'm talking about. Um, he had himself a nice day despite probably being blanketed most of it by Patrick Peterson. He still managed to get eleven grabs for 112 yards and he found the end zone as well. Uh, we've talked about the Cardinals recently. They've they've obviously put a nice few results together, but ultimately we did say let's see what they're like against some stiffer competition. 
And pretty much as predicted, Colin Murray made a few nice plays. He, he escaped a couple of sacks with his quickness. A um, couple of big plays in this one to Charles Clay, who's another player that I'd forgotten all about, but he made a couple of nice uh, plays in this one. Um, but essentially, again, just a case of a team being overmatched here. The Saints are a much better unit. Um, and you would you would like to think that they will just continue to get better. You know, they've, they've dealt with a lot of adversity in this first half of the season. And if they can get their key players back, you'd like to think that they will continue to improve. Um, but defensively, again, a stellar effort, completely shut down the ground game. Interestingly here for the Cardinals, David Johnson um, didn't go. Chase Edmonds got knocked out of the game. They ended up with Zach Zenner as the only fit running back on the day. Um, so I'll be interested to see if there's any further developments in the Cardinals' backfield as we approach the deadline. Yeah, I they, think if I'm, they signed Kenyon Drake. I was just going to say, I was just about to say, I think I've heard something, so thanks for confirming that, mm. mate. So certainly a lot of movement in that backfield, um, and ultimately you know, the Cardinals won't probably be judged on games against the Saints at the moment. I think Kingsbury's moving them in the right direction, slowly but surely, but certainly on this day it was a step too far. Um, next game on the slate, mate, one for you and a bit of uh, Minshew magic returning. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, <sighs> he did did some did some nice work. That nice that there was a nice touchdown throw to DJ Chark in the corner of the front corner of the end zone. There did a nice TD celebration uh, on the back of that. But this one again, all the eyes were pretty much on uh, on Sam Darnold. Saw a bit of good, but mainly bad from him once more. Uh, pretty much returning to his 2018 interception self. Uh, which is a bit unfortunate, really. But let, let's just take a moment to appreciate how awful Adam Gase is. Um, let's just get that out there, to be honest. Last couple of weeks, they are 4-20 and 20 on third down. Uh, they've been outgained, outgained yardage-wise. And, this, and let's, let's just get it out there. This didn't make the Stats Life segment, This, but this is a good one. Been, they've been outgained yardage-wise in nine straight games and in 23 of the last 27 games uh, all year. So... Um, they've been outgained by over 100 yards in all but one game this year. Um, so, yeah, it's not good or not good there on uh, Adam Gase and the Jets. Uh, Jets have actually traded Leonard Williams to the New York Giants. So it's going to be like Abe Simpson in the uh, in Simpsons in the Gentleman's Club where he walks in, puts his hat down and walks back out. It's going to be the opposite there for uh, Leonard Williams. Um, interesting trade that one, actually. Leonard Williams to the Giants, obviously, um, their own backyard. And I'm sure that's not really gone down well over there in New New York, but yeah, like I say, you know, Jaguars get the win, easy enough game. Uh, Jets not quite sure what to do with them at the moment, but they fall to one and six, uh, losing this one at twenty nine to fifteen. Jaguars, of course, coming coming to London next week. Both teams won't be in the playoffs, so um, interesting one here. For you, uh, question for you though, Sean. Obviously, we we mentioned it uh, in past pods about Gardner Minshew or Nick Foles. Uh, you know, do you go with the sixth round of Gardner Minshew or eighty eight million Nick Foles next year? I think the longer it goes on, the more I'm going to start making the case that Nick Foles next year will be the quarterback for the Chicago Bears. Um, I think we'll touch on the Bears probably a little bit more later, quite possibly, when we talk about teams that have disappointed. Um, but I think it's becoming clearer and clearer that Mitch Trubisky is holding that franchise back. He's certainly not going to be the answer. And I think, you know, for me... Minshew has shown enough promise for the Jags to really get behind him. They've got him on a really cheap deal for the next three seasons. There's obviously a huge amount of money invested in Nick Foles, and I don't think the Jags are necessarily in a win-now mode. Um, So I I think that Nick Foles, unfortunately, will probably only have that one quarter's worth of action as a Jacksonville Jaguar. Um, And I, I strongly believe that 
he will be the Chicago Bears quarterback to start next season. Mm, interesting. Let us know what you think on the Twitter. Um, whilst uh, you're typing that away, Sean, talk, talk us uh, through the uh, Eagles rebound against the Bills. Yes, rebound is a very good word, my friend. Um, a game that was played in pretty terrible conditions, it's got to be said. Um, so gusts of up to 50 mile an hour and that, that uh, had a very simple... Uh, recipe for it and that was run the ball and run the ball a little bit more and the Eagles came to do that with all of their backs getting involved in the game um, Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders um, you know after struggling previously really came to play today um, Jordan Howard in particular 96 yards and a touchdown um, so he was he was good um, but you know like I say those two guys and one of the other backup running backs was it Aaron Scott I think was his name uh, Boston um, Scott yeah, he yeah. found the end zone as well. So, good day on the ground for the Eagles. And the game was really tight up until a passage of play at the end of the first half where Brandon Graham mm. um, stripped sack of Josh Allen. Um, and ultimately, that turned what was going to be a Bills halftime lead into an Eagles halftime lead. Uh, and effectively, the Bills never really recovered from that, to be honest. The second half was pretty much one way traffic. And unfortunately for the Bills, it does seem that when they do get behind, as good as they have been and as as high as I am on them from a defensive standpoint, you don't trust Josh Allen and this and this offense to really play from behind. Yeah. They're built to, you know, play on short field, they're built to play field position, they're built to run the ball. And and like I say, on a day like um the weather was yesterday, um, you know, ultimately the Eagles you know, set out to stop that run and ultimately did a better job of doing that than what the Bills did. Hmm. Big win for them after what was obviously a disappointing result the previous week. It certainly gets them back into contention. Um, and, and as for the Bills, the only thing I would say is don't panic. You know, it, it's one game, um, you know, and ultimately, you know, the Eagles have, have proven to be a little bit Jekyll and Hyde. Mm. Some weeks they're really good. Some weeks they're not. They're not very good at all. No. Um, you know the Bills ran into them on one of the weekends that they had one of their better days. Um, so I'm still, you know, very positive about the Bills' chances. I still think they are going to be in the wild card mix come the end of the season. Um, and you know, unfortunately, the weather conditions didn't really allow the Bills to to really target the Eagles' weakness, which is the secondary, yeah. because of the weather conditions. So. Good, good game for the Eagles, um, and like I say, Bills just forget about it quickly and move on. Mm. Uh, talking about forgetting about something and moving on, surely it's time for the the Buccaneers to forget <laughs> about Jameis Winston and move on, mate. Mm, yeah, I mean Jameis Winston. Oof. This this boy, um, this boy can do it all, can he? Um, fumbles, interceptions, put your defense in compromising situations. That's what you want from a, from from a first round pick. Um, big talk, talking point in this one was obviously the uh, the fake field goal, which in itself was a laughable call, but it was kind of over overridden by the fact that um, the, the play, you know, again, another instance where a play was called dead way, way, way too early. Uh, Brett Kern got his uh, soul taken from him, so um, <laughs> there is that. So, yeah, shout out to the Titans cheerleader in, in this one who caught the punt, caught a punt whilst um, ruffling her pompons. That was... Uh, that was an interesting one. Sign her up, that's for sure. Uh, made me laugh actually because the commentator of the game remarked that uh, I wonder, if, I wonder if she could take a hit. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, there we go. Uh, I'm not quite sure what to make of that one. But yeah, Jameis Winston. I mean, uh, I, I did mention on the uh, betting podcast that Jameis Winston usually bounces bounces back off uh, off a buy and off a off a bad performance. But my God, um, 
Yeah, 23 to 27 this one to the to the Titans. I think it's just a case of two teams just kind of going through the motions, but Titans kind of have home field advantage, so kind of got the win. The Bucks should should have really won this game. Um, but the amount of games that Jameis Winston is starting to to cost uh, the Buccaneers, Bruce Arians has uh, got to be wondering what to do come come draft time uh, this time, uh, next in 2020. Because Jameis Winston's not the answer. Uh, I know Rob, who's been a big advocate of uh, Jameis Winston, uh, is. I think he's finally got off and tucked and rolled off for that bandwagon. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Bucks now two, uh, two and five. But shout out, obviously, Mark Evans had a had an awesome game as well. Uh, broke broke even more franchise records in terms of receptions and yardage and all the rest of it as well. So uh, congratulations to him. It always seems to be either Evans or, or Godwin, doesn't it, week to week uh, from a fantasy standpoint, which is a bit frustrating. But both, um, I'm not I'm not one for an advocate of all this. So one's better than the other. Just enjoy just enjoy that they're both on your team and both decent wideouts because uh, there's certainly some some teams out there that don't have any wideouts um, and that brings me nicely on to the Bengals Sean oh, the Bengals have got a lot of holes um, yeah, which is unfortunate um, ready for any of the fans that went down to London to watch it this weekend um, but obviously falling short to the Rams here by a score of 24 to 10 uh, at Wembley and you know, Cooper Cup is the wideout that you would want on your team. He had a international series record, I believe, 220 receiving yards on seven receptions. Um, you know, and I really, really do enjoy watching that guy play. Um, he, he always seems to pop up whenever the Rams need a play, and he was uh, certainly instrumental uh, on this weekend. Um, in terms of the Bengals, um, you know, they they tried to get the run game going and certainly had a lot more productivity from that, particularly in the first half. Um, you know, we joked last week about Joe Mixon's lack of production and, you know, all, all joking aside, he, he obviously is a fairly decent running back from an athletic standpoint. He's not got the greatest of offensive lines blocking for him, let's be honest. He, he probably gets the ball three yards behind the line of scrimmage when, when he's contacted on more occasions than not. Um, but they did make an effort to try and get that run game going. And again, this is another game that you know stayed a lot more competitive than you would have felt it would have done at one stage. Um, you know, Zach Taylor, you know, off to an 0-8 start, obviously not what anybody would have been hoping for or expecting. And essentially now for the Bengals, the the problem they've got, it's a horrible position to be in. And I'm always a, an advocate if you try and win now, you try and win as many games as, as you possibly can do. But it really is that tough situation now where any win now probably just really hurts them in the long run in terms of their draft position. And he's certainly not the biggest problem that they have got. But, you know, we just talked about moving on from Jameis Winston. You know, I think the, the Bengals will really look at evaluating is there a quarterback that they can take high up in this draft? You know, for me, they've got much bigger problems. I'm not saying Andy Dalton is the problem. No. Um, but I think, you know, they are likely to be drafting, let's face it, as things stand. If it, if it finished today, they'll be drafting number one overall. They're likely to not probably get out of the top five, let's face it. Um, so lots of holes for them to fill. Um, but potentially they're going to be in a position in the off-season to do it. Um, AJ Green's one to keep your eye on in terms of between now and this time tomorrow. Mm -hmm. um, you know He's hoping to return week 10 after the bye. He's been more injury-prone than anything in recent years. You know So if I was the Bengals and I got an offer for him, there'll be a wide receiver needy team that will take a flyer on him, You know someone that's potentially gearing up for a playoff run, uh, and I'd be looking to cash in on that if, mm -hmm. if I could. Um, and they really do need to rebuild. Um, as for the Rams, just quickly touch on them. 
Um, obviously, you know, two wins in a row now seems to have settled the ship a little bit. Um, still not really as dominant as you'd like on, on both sides of the ball, to be honest. Um, it doesn't feel like the same team as it was last year. Um, but obviously, they're moving back in the right direction, which is important for them because they need to keep pace with the other teams in that division, which leads us nicely to the the most impressive performance of the weekend, mate. And I'm going to ask you this week, have you actually started to buy into them? Because surely you, you have the 49ers. <laughs> oh, God. The amount, the, amount of, uh, the amount of hours I must have spent yesterday and this morning talking about the 49ers. Oh, my God. Um, so I have one question back for you. Did you, put, did you purposely put me on the Panthers 49ers game? <laughs> uh, it might give me a little bit of pleasure, mate, just to see you eat your words. So, uh, come on, let's see you, see you worm yourself out how, how dare you? How very dare you? Um, yeah, I mean, rather than staying silent for maybe the whole three minutes of this uh, this um, this game, uh, yeah, let's go, let's go through it. Kyle Allen, it was kind of game from him, wasn't it, where it was the, the kind of violet, we want Cam Newton back game for the Carolina Panthers. Uh, nearly had as many interceptions as he did passing yards. <laughs> and that's not even uh, that's not even far from the truth. Uh, Nick Bosa obviously had himself a day. Sacks, interceptions and everything in between. This one got ugly early, didn't it? Tevin Coleman, four touchdowns to his name. Uh, most of those in the first half as well, even before Matt Breeder went out with, an, I think it was an ankle injury, but he's risen from the dead many, many a times uh, before. I think Kyle Shanahan must listen to the podcast, must he? Because I think he uh, would have dedicated this one to me, wouldn't he? He probably would have looked, said, you know, do you know what, Tim? Sod you, mate. Have, have, some, <laughs> have some of this. But no, it was, uh, was, was a masterclass from Shanahan uh, and the boys over in uh, the Bay Area at Levi's Stadium. Yeah, they've, they've beaten a good team. I, I, can't, I can't really make any excuses against Carolina. Uh, they've, they've done pretty well this season and uh, the 49ers just blew them away um, pretty much from the first whistle, to be quite honest. So uh, one question I've got for you, though, actually, uh, Sean, um, about Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo. Where, in, t- in terms of quarterbacks, where, where do you rank him in uh, in terms of all 32? We, we, yeah, I, I'm going to read out some some quarterbacks' names and you uh, you tell me whether or not you'd rather have Garoppolo or, uh, or the QB, yeah? Go on, then. OK, would you rather have Jimmy Garoppolo or Dave, uh, Derek Carr? Uh, Garoppolo, uh, Joe Flacco. <laughs> Garoppolo, is that even is that even a serious question? <laughs> Andy Dalton. Garoppolo. Uh, Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, Garoppolo. Danny Dimes. Yeah, Garoppolo. Okay, so you so you'd have him. So what you'd probably say what middle of the road Jimmy middle of the road Jimmy G. I I think if you asked me to rank him now, he he would probably be middle of the road. But I've I've been quite high on him throughout his career. I think he's got the potential to elevate himself into that top sort of bracket and you know for me the the biggest stat and you know I, I kind of get the argument is it a quarterback stat or not he's, he's does the guy win games mm. and you know whatever you think of him you look at his record and the guy does win games I'm, I really hate the phrase game manager yeah as somebody that watches a team that routinely turns the ball over which we'll get to in a minute I, I want my quarterback to throw the ball to my players I don't want him throwing it to the opposition I don't care if that's five yards down the field or 15 yards down the field if he can do that consistently enough over a long period of time we will win more football games than we lose and ultimately that's what the end goal is um, you know for me you know he, he's in an offence at the moment that really suits him in as much as He's not being asked to do too much, but I think people also need to realise that he's actually only just about started a full season's worth of games, despite the fact that he's been around for as long as he has. 
Um, he's still growing. He's still learning how to play this position at the NFL level. He's still getting looks thrown at him that he's never seen before. And, you know, they, they traded for Emmanuel Sanders this week because, let's face it, he's got a bunch of, you know, no names, if you like, that he's throwing to on the outside as well. So he's not exactly blessed with a ton of weapons. He's got a great tight end across the middle, which is always a nice safety blanket for any quarterback to have. But I think the run game, you know, really does suit the way that the Niners are playing. Shanahan's run-blocking scheme, you, you just don't know why people don't just record it tape it and everybody run the same scheme because yeah. wherever he's been with whatever offence, they've always generated yards on the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, So I think he's in an ideal situation and I think he absolutely can elevate himself into that top tier. And out of all the ones that you've read there, um, you know, definitely I would be having him amongst any of those that you've said. And like I say, also bearing in mind he's still on a, in his mid-twenties, he's got an awful lot of career ahead of him potentially mm-hmm. to play. So He's definitely uh, a quarterback going in the right direction, which is the complete opposite from the direction of the quarterback that plays for my team. And that's, of course, Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns, who back off their bye week, two weeks to prepare. Now, not going to be any issues getting lined up, not going to be many penalties, surely. But now there's 13 penalties, multiple full starts, jumping offside, all the rest of it that seems to be common practice for the Browns these days um, as they get walloped essentially probably the Patriots 27 to 13 and it's a really frustrating game because we were talking about this Tim before we started recording and watching the game the Browns actually played pretty well which sounds ridiculous for a team that's lost by two scores but they were dominant in the ground game Nick Chubb moved the ball with regularity and the Patriots didn't again do an awful lot on offense outside of you know one big screen play which went for an awful lot of yardage the offence, again, was pretty much dink and dunk and didn't get an awful lot going. Um, the game essentially turned on a bizarre sequence of plays, which you know unbelievably led to three consecutive turnovers from the Browns. So we had a, a fumble caused by an offensive lineman kicking the ball out of his running back's hand. We had a fumble from the running back after he'd completed a 50-yard gain. Um, looked like he probably going to score a touchdown, and that then obviously got turned over. And then the highlight of everybody's weekend, if you're a non-Browns fan and you like to hate on Bayfield, <laughs> quite possibly the first and only time I will ever see a shovel pass intercepted. Mm. Um, That's what they it, were working on during the bye week. Well, they mastered it to a team <laughs> because it was, it was a thing of absolute beauty. The defensive lineman didn't even have to break stride. The only surprising thing is that there was actually a Brown there to tackle him, let's put it that way. Um <laughs> An horrendous uh, sequence of plays and you know, you're not going to come back from 17-0 down against New England. To be fair to the Browns, like I say, give them credit. They actually mm. did make a bit of a fist of it and make a bit of a game for it. But mm. I'm going to leave my bashing of Freddie Kitchens for the for one week only. I'm not even going to call it the Jason Garrett corner. Freddie's <laughs> made a corner all of his own for this weekend. So we'll get to that in a minute and uh, we'll round out the last couple of games. So... Mm. Let's go back across to the Bay Area, mate, and uh, talk about the Oakland Raiders. Mm, just, just a quick quick point on the Pats-Browns. I I hope John Harbaugh and Greg Raymond were watching that game because I think, uh, considering the, the, the way that the Baltimore Ravens are set up, uh, 
I wouldn't be surprised if the uh, Ravens go and win uh, against the Patriots next week, but we shall we shall wait and see. Uh, Texans and Raiders got it on. Uh, interesting game this one, 27-24 for the Ra- uh, to the Texans, who now go uh, to 5-3, Raiders 3-4. Texans always, game's always good to watch, aren't they? Um, highlight of this one was obviously the uh, touchdown throw by Deshaun Watson to Darren Fells uh, whilst being kicked in the head or the eye or whatever you want to call it during the game. That uh, quite, takes quite some doing. Uh, make you, now you know why... Uh, Quite a lot of players wear visors, don't you? But obviously, Deshaun Watson didn't on that one, and that's why he got kicked in the head. But uh, one injury that uh, was uh, in in the game, JJ Watt, he's done for the season, torn pectoral muscle. Um, it, it's, an, it's, a, it's an important one, not just because it's uh, it's JJ Watt, but now, yeah, with the Houston Texans, you're going to get less of a pass rush. It's really going to expose that second, that back end there, the secondary uh, of the Texans. So if you're a better if you're uh, yeah, someone in fantasy, go against anyone that's playing the Texans because there's going to be a lot of points. There's going to be a lot of a lot of action in those games, and uh, you know that includes Deshaun Watson and Nuke Hopkins. Uh, how how can you have 11 receptions and not get in the end zone if your name's DeAndre Hopkins? Uh, I'm not too sure, but yeah, good for the neutrals, good for fantasy. Uh, they obviously have have uh, Jacksonville up next in London. Uh, I'll see you all there because I will be there. But talking of good for the neutrals, Sean, Sunday night football. Yeah, so final game of the week, and it was the one that everyone was anticipating. So the the six and one uh, at the time, Green Bay Packers going into Arrowhead, and the Packers get the job done. Um, it wasn't Patrick Mahomes as we debated it might be after he sort of miraculously found the practice field in the week. It was lead <laughs> Matt Moore that uh, that suited up for the Chiefs, and again similar to what I said about Matt Schaub, you know, it wasn't the play of Matt Moore. That was the problem here. Um, it was just a good game from two good sides that went back and, and forth with each other. Aaron Rodgers continues to get the job done with, you know, quite possibly the most uninspiring supporting cast he's probably ever worked with. Um, you know, but you know, when guys like Alan Lazarda are taking the majority of snaps at wide receiver, you can tell that this Packers team is only going to get better. Um, a player that has gotten better and appears to be a lot more consistent is Aaron Jones. Um, you know, he again was huge on the day, um, and you know, ultimately for the the Kansas City Chiefs, they have just found in the last few weeks to be coming up a little bit short. You know, they still had um, you know plays made throughout this one. Kelsey, Sammy Watkins, you know, all involved as you would expect. Um, you know, but again, just coming up a little bit short against you know, you've got to say superior opposition. You know, for as good as the Chiefs have been over the last. 18 months, they are just finding a few sides too difficult to get through. Um, they were without a couple of their key pass rushes last night, but again, others stepped up in their absence. And, and sometimes, like I say, you do just get a game where it's two really good sides going head-to-head, and obviously one is going to come out on top. Uh, and in this one, it was the Packers they moved to an impressive 7-1. and one. I think the, the, the thing for the Chiefs here is, you know, they're, they're likely to get Mahomes back this week in all likelihood by the sounds of it. Um, and they're in a division that, you know, despite some improved play from the Raiders, you know, to be fair, they, they've sort of improved and they're a lot better than people probably expected or certainly than what we expected. Um, I think it's, it's probably safe to say that the division is going to be quite comfortable for the Chiefs to get through. They need to be starting to think about how they beat these teams come January because I think they'll get enough wins against the teams you'd expect them to beat. It's can they turn around in January and, and go toe-to-toe with the likes of the Patriots in the AFC and you know if they get through the AFC 
are they going to come up against a, a Green Bay or somebody of that ilk and can they find a way to get the job done when the competition level goes up another notch because mm. um, they beat they beat up on the teams you expect them to so that'll be the challenge for the Chiefs but the Packers continue to roll impressive yet again mm. and uh, you know both sides of the ball contributing so Good times ahead in Green Bay, I would suggest, my friend. Yeah, I mean, just shout out to Andy Reid as well, just to be able to put... It says a lot about his coaching abilities to get Matt Moore to the stats and the performance that he did, because um, this Green Bay defense isn't isn't no you know no pushover. So uh, for Andy Reid to be able to put in a system and you know plan for someone like Matt Moore, who let's face it, it's not not the greatest of quarterbacks, to put in a, the performance he did uh, and give the Packers a good run for their money, um, says a lot about him as a coach. Um, he's not obviously not never been great on kind of the game management side of things, or maybe when to go for it on fourth down, and we'll you know we'll say way into that very shortly indeed but yeah I just want to shout out to Andy Reid there to be even be able to kind of live with when you when your quarterback goes down it's usually the end of the season in most circumstances but for yeah for, to put in that type of performance was uh, was worth kind of a, a round of applause but uh, I suppose now second down then let's uh, let's talk about some questionable coaching decisions second down All you do, Jason Garrett, is clap your hands. All you do, Jason Garrett, is clap your hands. Jerry plays you like a puppet. You really are a muppet. It's fourth and one, don't do it, just clap your hands. Okay, plenty of crackers here in Jason Garrett Corner. I hope you're all clapping along. Uh, Sean, we'll start start you off because there's plenty to choose from just in the Browns game. Oh dear, don't start me off mate, I think I've only just got over it from watching it last <laughs> night and I suppose my question is, am I limited to throwing Freddie in there once, twice, three, well, four, I, I want to start off with this one, am I, am I right in thinking that there was a passage of, of plays where they were they were 4th and 11 and they sent out the punt the punt team to, on purpose, apparently full start for them to, to, to burn, because they've only got one time out left, they wanted to stop the clock. To then go for it, bring the offense out on the field, and go for it on fourth and sixteen. Is that right? Uh, that is absolutely right, my friend. So <laughs> you know, despite it being obvious to everyone that you know they were down two scores at this point, the only way they were ever going to get back into the game, if they were you know going to ever get into the game, was to effectively go for it on fourth down. Like you say, third down comes and goes. The offense doesn't convert and jogs off the field. The punt team come running on. And apparently, at some point during this sort of 30, 40 second transition, Freddie decides that actually he wants to go for it, which he would have assumed he would have made his mind up on that ahead of time. But as you say, he got a, he got a timeout in his pocket, but rather than call the timeout, he decided I'll take the five yard penalty uh, and send the offense back out. So he was, again, probably more confident of converting from fourth and 16 than he was from fourth and 11. Um, and then just to rub salt in the wound, that play resulted in our quarterback taking a sack and falling on his throwing shoulder, which mm-hmm. didn't look great at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was one of several questionable calls for Freddie. I've tried to be very supportive, and you know I'm not somebody that jumps on the bandwagon of getting a coach fired, certainly this early into his NFL career. Um, but he threw two challenge flags yesterday, which both seemed very obvious from the initial TV replays that he wasn't going to win. Um, one on the spot of a ball where, you know, 
that sometimes with these calls, when the chains aren't sort of against one of the hash marks, it can be a little bit questionable. But this, the, the hash mark was clearly the 25-yard line. So you could see where the ball needed to get to and you got a very clear angle that the ball had reached there. He still threw the challenge flag. Um, there was then one on a pass interference call, which, you know, no coaches are winning pass interference challenges at the minute, as we know. And again, this was, you know, more than a yard, comfortably more than a yard down from the line of scrimmage. And it was called, so he was never getting that one back. And just a, a real bizarre game all through. Like I said, they had two weeks to prepare for it and they looked as underprepared as they have done all season. Mm. Um, there's lots of rumblings about discontent and stuff going on in the background. Um, there's never any smoke without fire, as they say. So I would suggest keep your eyes peeled. Um, I would I would absolutely say that he needs to win this upcoming weekend against a Denver side that are struggling. Um, I think you know, he's hot seat. He's already very, very hot. Let's put it that way, my friend. No, absolutely. And um, yeah, moving on to some other some other ones that have come in. Uh, we've actually got um, someone got in touch with us. I've got this one here uh, at J, uh, at J Flacco Five, who uh, <laughs> says, um, "Yeah, for a, for a two and six team, Vic Fangio has uh, has, has gotten his, his play calling scared." So yeah, I don't know who uh, J Flacco Five uh, might well be. Of course, I'm only joking. It wasn't J Flacco Five. He wouldn't he wouldn't tweet us. Uh, but yeah, obviously Joe Flacco not very happy with the uh, the play calling and um, it's quite an extraordinary interview actually from Joe Flacco it sounded like he was um, if you I don't know if you've seen it Sean but it looks like he's just standing at a bar waiting to order a drink or just just as casual as you like um, but he's, a, he's since got a neck injury so I'm not quite sure if that was uh, <laughs> in retaliation from Vic Fangio but uh, interesting offence there in Denver yeah, like you say, that neck injury was a, potentially a slap around the back of the head from the yeah, from the head coach who's just been called out. Sticking his um, neck out. Yeah, yeah you, you do kind of think to yourself, and I just had this conversation about the Bengals, it, it's one of those awkward problems now. The, for the for the Broncos, the season essentially is he's, he's, he's over to all intents and purposes. But, you know, again, you know, the, these guys are professionals. They want to win. Big Fangio, you know, it's his first head coaching job. He wants to go out there and win. And, you know, ultimately, you need to play to win the game. Um, you know, the Broncos, let's face it, I don't think anybody probably had them down to beat the Colts this week. Um, but, you know, continue playing mm. to Should win the game. Don't, mm. don't, you know, don't play to, to, not, to not lose. Um, mm. You know, and that, that mentality is absolutely vitally important. Mm. Um, you know, he, he was one that, that, that sort of took that approach. Another one that we can throw into the corner this week is Matt Nagy. Um, you mentioned about the uh, the doink and the uh, the infamous problem with the Chicago Bears. <laughs> right on cue. Um, you know, he didn't doink this time. It hooked left. Um, but um, the, the, the quote after the game that he had no thought of getting closer for the field goal. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, are we li- are we living in a bizarre universe now, my friend, where these coaches think that for some reason the players will respond better if you put them in a worse situation? Yeah. It's right out of the Bruce Arians textbook, isn't it? It, it is just bizarre, isn't it? We, like you say, we had we had Bruce last week that wanted his, or two or three weeks ago, that wanted his field goal kicker from 45 yards out as opposed to 25 <laughs> yards out. We've got Freddie that would rather take 4th and 16 than 4th and 11. And, and you've got uh, Matt Nagy now that you know doesn't really want to get his field goal kicker any closer than what he was. Um, I mean, the, you know, the Bears were horrendous on the day. And to be, to be honest, it's... 
I wouldn't say justice was done because I think the charges were equally as disappointing. But, um, you know, you, you kind of get what you asked for there if you're Matt Nagy. So I thought he was another one that could be thrown out this week. Like you so say, plenty of, uh, plenty of, of candidates. Um, we also saw quite a few cowardly punts. And I mean, you were quite like the uh, the surrender index yeah. Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Um, plenty of cowardly punts. You mentioned Andy Reid. Um I don't think I don't think he's worth throwing in the corner five minutes thirteen to go. He's on his own forty. I, I can understand that. I think yeah. you do punt the ball away in that situation. I don't think yeah. that's the the worst one. It's one of those you always get criticised if your quarterback never gets the ball back, yeah. which was obviously the case. But yeah. you know, I, I can't really criticise that one if I'm being completely honest. Um, no, I mean John Gruden had similar as well. They both they, John Gruden and. Um, Andy Reid, you know, for, late, for, late in the late in the fourth quarter, fourth down punts. Uh, again, it's, it's only because the they, the defense didn't get them the ball back because uh, both of them fought for like say four or five minutes left in the game. It's only because the defense didn't get the ball back is it then becomes a bad decision. But you have to say this day and age, you know, you'd expect with five minutes left on the clock that you'd you'd kind of get the ball back with me, even if it's just thirty seconds left to go. So yeah, Gruden and Reid, I, I can see why they've punted on those. And again, yeah, it's a, it's a hindsight if we didn't know. Yeah, you know, as they were doing it, you can kind of go either way, depending on which side the the coin flips for you. But yeah, I don't I don't mind those. Yeah, no, I agree, mate. I think, like you say, that you would expect to get the ball back, and ultimately, you know, as I just said about the the Packers and Chiefs game, sometimes you just have to hold your hands up and say the better team won. And you know, Green Bay when they got that ball back from that punt did what they needed to do. So I don't think you can uh, question the coaching decision. I think you know it was uh, the right one, unfortunately for them, just the wrong outcome. Mm, absolutely. Another thing you can't talking of what you can't question. You can't question stats, and we're about to throw six your way in third down. Stats life indeed. That's what all the people say. Uh, okay, so three stats from the weekend, Sean. Uh, what's your what's your number three stat? So, couple that caught my eye this week. So, we had a Bosa got five sacks this weekend, but it was actually split between brothers. So, we have Nick and Joey combining for five sacks, um, which sets the record for most sacks recorded by brothers in a day, where each earned at least one sack. <laughs> There you go, Bo Selector. Um, okay, my <laughs> <laughs> my number three. Uh, there's only there's only been four times that a QB has had a part. Uh, sorry, uh, I've ruined that one, haven't I? Jesus. Uh, no, sorry. Adam Gase has now coached 56 games in his NFL career. His teams have been more likely to lose by double digits than win the game. 25 to 24 is the uh, is the split there. And then the eight the eight is obviously less than that. But uh, yeah, that just shows you my, my point earlier about how bad Adam Gase is. Number two. Number two. I hate to do it to myself, but I've got to throw it in there. So the Browns, as we said, had three turnovers on three consecutive offensive plays on Sunday. I I didn't realise that this was as regular as it is, but believe it or not, it's the first time that it's happened since the Dolphins had three in week one of 2012. And it's only the seventh time it's happened since 2000. Mm. Now, I think the seventh time is quite a lot. I don't know what your thoughts are. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, I think agree. it's a good stat, but it's quite a surprising stat. Yeah. 
There you go. Okay, I'll try my other one again. So, uh, 23 times in NFL history has a QB had a completion percentage of over 70% after week seven, uh, after a minimum 150 pass attempts. Only four times has that QB had a passer rating of under 101. Those four QBs are Derek Carr, David Carr, Derek Carr, and Matt Ryan. <laughs> so there you go. The, the car, the car brothers, loving it. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> right, so what's your, what's your stat of the week, Sean? So my stat of the week, and I've got to shout him out because I thought the guy was dead, all right? So I'm, <laughs> I'm giving it to Matt Sharp. So it was his first start for 1,421 days, so you'll have to forgive me for, for thinking he disappeared off the face of the earth if he's not been seen for that long. But he's 460 yards against the Settles, Seattle Seahawks. It's the most any player has ever thrown for against Seattle in franchise history. There you go. All right, my stat of the week, uh, quite a simple one. Since 1950, <laughs> Andy Dalton is the only quarterback to record both an 0-8 and 8-0 record in the first eight games of a season. Well, that, that, sometimes you just don't want a certain record, and I'm <laughs> pretty sure that he won't want that one this year, will he? No, 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 quite not. Quite not indeed. But yeah, to be fair to him, he's got a bell, he's got a bye week next week, so he's all right. Um, right, let's round this one. Well, let's not round this one out. Fourth down, let's have a bit of a debate. Fourth down. Okay, so fourth down, Sean. Do you, do you, do you want to take this one away because this was your uh, your creation? Yeah, so we, we we're approaching the well. I say approaching. You could argue we are at the midway midway point, week eight of the season. I know officially it will come at some point at around about eight o'clock on Sunday night. Is the official halfway house, if you like, as as you account for teams that are on the boys. Um, but we've reached the halfway point of the season. I thought it'd just be good to see where all of us over at the full ten yards rank the sort of teams at this stage of the season. I'm not a huge fan of a full power rankings because I think you know there's a lot of teams that are pretty much you know there or thereabouts with each other. There's a lot of teams that obviously share a similar record. So rather than debate the full 32, I asked the boys to sort of come back to me and say, who would be your top three in terms of the season so far? Who would be your bottom three? And then which team has surprised you the most and which team has disappointed you the most? So they were the questions that I asked the boys. So we'll have a little debate about ours now, mate, in mm -hmm. terms of what's come up. Yeah. Um, and then obviously I think we're going to open it up to social media and get some uh, interaction from all of our fans and listeners. Yeah, absolutely. I think biggest surprise, the biggest dis disappointment, we'll put those out as polls uh, over at the full 10 yards. So watch, give out, watch out for those, give them a vote, uh, give them a retweet as well, try and get as many votes as possible. But I think uh, in terms of the top three, Sean, we were, we were blow for blow, weren't we? We pretty much were, mate. And to be fair, I've looked through what all the guys have said and, you know, we're all, we have all got, with the exception of two, the same sort of three teams um, so we've all got the Patriots, we've all got the Saints, and most of us have got the Packers. Um, the only differences are the 49ers and Saints are swapped out in a few of them. Yeah. Um, so I think we're all in agreement in terms of who the top three are. Um, you and me, absolutely, like you say, Patriots, Saints and Packers in that order. Um, and in terms of the number one overall ranking from a full 10 yards perspective, out of the guys that have come back to us, we have got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, sort of ranking the Patriots as number one. We've got two for the Saints and we've got one for the 49ers. So 
pretty consistent, I'd say, that we currently got the Patriots ranked as the number one team there, my friend. Yeah, and I think so. And I say with uh, Saints as well, were quite a common pick for number two. 49ers in second place there as well. But uh, yeah, I can't really see, uh, considering Drew Brees is back now as well, and he's got the bye week. I can't see anything other than the Patriots uh, being the number one seed in the, in the AFC, uh, and the Saints being the number one seed in the NFC, really. I think the NFC is going to be closer. You know, we'll, um, we're going to touch over the course of this week in terms of where teams stack. Um, at the midway point, we're going to give you some predictions in terms of the end of season records. And I think the NFC does seem to have more sort of quality teams. You know, I can think of the Saints, the Packers, the 49ers, the Vikings. I wouldn't be at all surprised if any four of those teams, you know, went on to win the whole thing this year, the way that they've been playing. I think the AFC is pretty more clear cut. Like you said, the Patriots have. I wouldn't say they've already got it locked down, but they're not going to be many weeks away from probably securing the number one seed in the AFC, the way things are going. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they have a three-game lead um, at the moment. I think the nearest AFC rival has only got five wins, so you know they're, they're pretty much guaranteed, I think, to get... Well, I, th- I think if if the Raven if they beat the Ravens next week, as uh, you can probably lock it up, kind of. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I know there's all this talk about the schedule being soft, and yeah, you kind of get that. But ultimately, that's not their fault. You can only beat what's in front of you, and and you know they do it consistently better than what anybody else does. Um, it's know, not, so it's not their fault. They're in the AFC East. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> um, let's look at let, let's look at the other end then, uh, Sean. Again, quite uh, consistent across the board in terms of who's number thirty-two uh, with the Dolphins and Bengals getting a lot of love for thirty-one, uh, and then thirty is kind of a mixture between the Falcons, the Jets. Uh, so I, I suppose I say the bottom two are pretty much set in stone. But who, who do you think gets number one pick overall at this point? Uh... I've, I've got a sneaky feeling that the Dolphins might bring a surprise tonight on Monday Night Football. I don't know whether that's going to mean that they... Coming, coming from a Browns fan, that one. Yeah, well, yeah, well obviously. <laughs> um, no, I, I genuinely think the Dolphins in the last few weeks have shown mm. a few more signs of promise. I don't think it is the full tank mode that that people have said. And I've come back to something I've repeated you know, a couple of times on this podcast. These guys are still professionals. They've got a job to do and they, they will want to win. You know, nobody likes losing. Mm. Um, I think the Dolphins, like I say, are showing some signs. I think the, the Bengals, again, I've looked at their schedule. You know, they've got some winnable games on the slate. You know, the, the Bengals and the Dolphins have got to play each other. Um, so, you know, potentially as we get down the stretch, that could be a big game in terms of determining where that number one overall pick does go. Ten I think you know, when, when you've got two teams that haven't got a win yet, they were pretty obviously going to come down at the bottom of the rankings. Interesting, like you say, on that 30th one, though, in terms of the third worst side, I think, you know, we have got a real split there between the Falcons, the Redskins um, and the Jets. They're the other teams that come up Um so just out of those three teams, mate, you know, you've got down the the Redskins as being number thirty. Um, what, what makes you put the Redskins below the Falcons and the and the Jets in particular? Well, I think it's it's talent. They're just devoid of any talent, aren't they? So especially if they let um, Trent Williams' left tackle go go out the door as well. You know, you've got 
quarterback Dwayne Haskins is not ready and there's it, just there's so many things there I know Darius Geis I think was seen on the practice field uh, today as well so Darius Geis sighting there but uh, yeah this this team is so devoid of any talent it's just going to take more than than a number one pick overall to get this team out of the hole they're in and say the Dolphins it's amazing what kind of ribbon the ribbon um, Ryan Fitzpatrick is to put on that turd as well but um, yeah just the Redskins there's just so many holes there at least with, you know, I know Dolphins have literally just traded Kenyon Drake um but again, it's just going to be a flip up when they when they play. It's going to be tank bowl two, isn't it? Um, yeah, I just think that the, the Redskins are in far more far more trouble um, then than the, maybe the you know, Falcons have Julio Jones signed up, Matt Ryan, and they've got they've got talent on on that roster. Uh, I know, obviously, they've just got rid of Calvin Ridley themselves, but he was an aging wide receiver anyway. So, um, Mohamed Sanu, sorry, not Calvin Ridley. Um, and then the Jets, again, got Sam Donald. I think he's young enough to, to overcome all the stuff that he's that's happening to him at the moment. And Adam McGase is not going to be there forever. Uh, so, again, I can see kind of see a, a glimmer of light at the end of the tunnel. But uh, Redskins fans, they're, they're under a cave, I think. Yeah, I, I, I get where you're coming from with that, man. That probably explains why, if I look at, from our point of view, the biggest disappointment across... The guys over with us at the full 10 yards, the most popular choice there is the Falcons, probably fairly much for that reason that you just said there. They've got plenty of talent yeah. at their disposal, um, certainly offensively. Um, it's obviously not translating to wins, you know, one and six or one and seven now on the season. Yeah. Um, really, really disappointing when you consider all of the, the talent that they have got there. Do you reckon, um, sorry to cut you, do, do, do you reckon Dan Quinn goes in the bye week? I don't see any reason why you would keep him at this stage, to be honest. Um, you know, his his mantra effectively was defence and that he's the worst unit on the team by a long way. Yeah. Um, you know, with that being said, they've got a lot of money invested in the offence. You know, I saw some some cap numbers and they've got so much invested when you when you sort of add up Julio, Matt Ryan, um, you know, even some of the players on the offensive line, Alex Matt the centre's well paid for a yeah. centre. Yeah. Um, you know they've got a lot of cap invested in in the offensive side of the ball, so I suppose it's not too much of a surprise that the defense is struggling. Um, but ultimately, I think head coaches are the ones that do pay the price for the records, regardless of the reasons behind it. And I, I can certainly see a change coming there. Um, so I wouldn't at all be surprised if the trigger is pulled on that move. Mm, absolutely. A couple of the biggest dip- disappointment leads put charges. God bless his heart. You put the charges as well, Sean. Uh, Maxwell, what are you doing? You put the Cowboys. We, we, what's going on there? Um, and then Adam, probably, probably is a good one. Obviously, the Bears, uh, yeah, pretty much a bit of a hangover there from last year's, last year's second season uh, syndrome for Matt Nagy. Moving over to biggest surprises, uh, I put the Vikings. Not necessarily because I didn't think they would do very well because obviously... Um, we said before the season started that we expected them to do all right, but I think the biggest surprise is on, you know, certainly over the last couple of weeks on how they did, they've how they've done it with uh, with Kirk Cousins uh, throwing the ball as well as uh, obviously the, the well known run game and defense that they've got. Uh, obviously, a lot of forty nines there. And probably no one expected them to go seven and zero. I certainly didn't. Uh, <laughs> I think that's fair to say. Uh, but a bit of love for the Packers, a bit of love for the Bills and the Seahawks uh, as well. I suppose the forty ers are going to be the biggest surprise uh, so far of the year, aren't they? Yeah, like you say, I think you know there, there was probably two camps during the season. There was the camp that said they might be able to sort of squeeze into the playoffs, and there was the camp that thought they would end up with another top five draft pick. And it doesn't look like either of those is actually going to come to fruition. <laughs> I think I think even the guys that thought they would have a good season certainly didn't expect a a seven and out start. And you know the seven and out start is one thing. 
you know, we talked about it earlier. It's it's the way that they're doing it, and you know they've just absolutely annihilated what we would have called one of the you know the better sides in the NFL. Mm. Um, you know, so they really are turning some heads. Um, I think a couple of the others that that have been mentioned on there. I think the Bills. You know, I'm I'm very big on the Bills. I like the way that they they play defensively. Um, you know, and they like I said earlier. You know, for me, just regroup after what's been a bad week. Um, but they they've certainly played well. The Seahawks always surprise me um, because that's a team that outside of Russell Wilson doesn't have an awful lot of superstars, but they continue to find a way to get the job done. Mm. And and in terms of the Ravens, I think the biggest surprise there, and you know, I've been his biggest critic, and I still think he's got some way to go. But you know, absolutely fair play to Lamar Jackson because um, you know, his productivity on the ground, whether you think it's a good thing or a bad thing, coupled with what he's doing through the air. Uh, the Ravens are clear in the AFC North, and you know it pains me as a Browns fan. It's a long, long way back to catch them. Mm. Um, you know, so they're doing uh, exceptionally well, and, and I agree with you from what you said earlier, mate. I would not be at all surprised to see the Ravens take down the Patriots this coming Sunday. Mm. They, uh, that hypo meet is going to go go through the roof if uh, Ravens and, and Lamar Jackson take down the Patriots next week. Uh, but we shall see. The referees are coming in with their whistles. It's time for the two-minute warning. Okay, so two minutes here to round us off. Full 10 yards plug for you. Look out this week on the uh, full10yards.com website. We'll be posting our half-term reports, you know, like when you go, you only used to go to school many moons ago, Sean, you used to get a, a half-term report on how you've been doing. So expect loads of grades on all teams, you know, how their season's gone so far and what their aspirations should be going forward. Should, should it be different from the one that maybe was there at the start of the season? Uh, full 10 takeaways will be there on Tuesday as well so uh, look out for that one I'll be writing that one social media polls will be going out for 10 yards on the Twitter so give those a vote as well uh, don't forget to tell a friend about the podcast get 10% off absolutely anything at, and I mean absolutely anything at NFL Shop Europe with the code full 10 get your merch delivered to the game for the Wembley game as well use code full 10 um, back on Thursday Sean well you, you're away on Thursday I'll be back on Thursday for week 9 preview uh, and the quiz as well Sean any uh, any more words you want you want to before we get out of here? No, just like I so, say, just encourage everyone to get involved with the, um, the the debate that we've had there. So we'll put that out to social media. It's always good to get other people's views on it um, and give us some feedback on our mid-season grades as well, because I'm sure they're bound to, to cause some arguments amongst mm-hmm. the fan bases. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've all got a view, and, and ultimately, you know, we're more than happy to debate the views with with all of our listeners. So. Uh, mm-hmm. Keep your eyes peeled for the content. Absolutely, absolutely. And talking of the Wembley game, if you're down there, I'll be down there, so come and say hi. Uh, but in the meantime, I will speak to y'all on Thursday. So it's goodbye from Sean. Cheers, Paul. And it's goodbye from me. In the great words of Kevin Cadle, it's bye-bye for now. A bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Full 10 Yards or email the show full10yards at gmail.com.